Well, very glad to see you back again. I know sometimes we reward ourselves with a weekend off when we've been to church one weekend. So well done for being back in church this morning. Uh, we are hoping to encourage you and to give you some next steps in terms of the journey that I believe that God has planned for us. Um, as a church, we are committed to doing everything we can in helping people take their next step in the uh, sort of vibrant journey that I believe that God has planned for us. Um, I don't think God has ever uh, planned for us to just simply survive. I believe that God is wanting us to genuinely thrive and to flourish and to actually enjoy and experience everything that he has planned for us. Uh, maybe you've seen our vision statement on the wall in the cafe. Uh, if you've been coming for a long time, there's a good chance you haven't noticed it for a long time. But just to recap real quick, you can see it on the screen behind me. Uh, the reason that we exist, we are here to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line. We're here to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is the one that actually gives life. So that's our goal. And we kind of measure that through the four uh, steps or phrases that you see below that, where we want to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Uh, those are just slightly modern uh, phrases for something that we believe is actually very theological um, and very doctrinal in terms of what God's actually wanting for our lives. So the knowing God part, that's about us actually coming into relationship with God and strengthening that personal relationship. Uh, but then we think that God's got some work to do in us, and that's where the freedom comes in. And we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, we are convinced because of Scripture that God actually has a plan and a purpose for everyone's life. And so our goal is not to uh, help you discover our purpose, and it's not to try and tell you what we think your purpose is. The goal is to try and help you discover God's purpose for your life, uh, the purpose, the plan that He has for you. And one of the, the, one of the ultimate ways of actually seeing all of this come to fruition is that our lives are going to make a difference. In fact, I don't think you can help it. I think if we're actually growing in a healthy relationship with God, if we are constantly finding freedom where we're kind of cleaning some of the, some of the, the, the dirt, some of the filters, uh, we can't help but actually start to produce fruit. And part of that fruit is that we're going to overflow. We're going to make a difference in people's lives. But today, what I want you to take a look at is that first part where it says, know God. And just to be very clear, we're not talking about knowing about God, not just an intellectual or an academic Knowledge. You may have heard about him. You may know about him. You may have even grown up in church all your life knowing about him. That doesn't mean that you necessarily know him. I can tell you all about Sue, but because I've lived with her for the last, well, almost 20 years. That'll be November, so just to be clear. Uh, but, but we've been doing life together for, for over 20 years. Um, I know her. I know her personally. I know, I know so many of, of the, the, the uniquenesses and, and the different little eccentricities and, and things that matter to her. Um, I know her. There's a personal relationship. And I can't tell you how badly we want to help people shift from knowing about God to, in fact, to not even just knowing Him, but actually enjoying Him. And maybe that's a strange phrase to you. Maybe you've never thought of the idea that you could actually enjoy Jesus, that you could actually enjoy a relationship with God. But I believe you can in fact, I think that should be the goal. Um, and I don't want to freak you out, and I certainly don't want to discourage you if that's not where you're at yet. I just want to maybe lift some of the weight, some of the, some of the burden off of you in saying that it's actually like it's something that you can actually enjoy. Like you can actually enjoy a healthy, life-giving relationship with God. And so I believe that there are a few ways to do this. Two of them, though, are very personal. So that means it's on you. 
There's only so much that we can do as a church, and there's only so much that others can do for us, and we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. But, but what I want to focus on today, next week, is the part that we can play in actually coming to know God personally, growing in that personal relationship. And I believe that one of the key habits to us actually strengthening that personal relationship with God is actually meeting with Him, connecting with Him through the Bible, or what we call the, the Word of God, or, or Scriptures. It is, a, it is a holy book, it is a sacred book, not, not, not this physical uh, thing that I'm holding in my hand, but, but, but what it contains. This is, this is God-breathed, it is, it is God-inspired. The content of the Bible has the potential to, to draw us into a relationship with God, to strengthen our relationship with God, to, to correct us, to redirect us, it is God's written word to us. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, one of the early church leaders, the Apostle Paul, or Paul the Apostle, said that all Scripture is inspired by God. I'll explain in a moment what that means. And it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And again, don't, don't get too nervous if you feel like that's going to be a principle beating over there. No, no, it's a loving parent that's trying to help us and correct us and, and, and lead us down a life-giving path. It's not so much what he's trying to keep from us as what he wants for us. By the way, that's for free. Maybe you feel like God's, God's plan for your sexuality is keeping something from you. I promise you that that's God trying to keep something for you. Maybe you feel like, like God's way of, of handling your money is, is keeping stuff from you and, and where you want to borrow from your future for today. And God's saying, no, 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 I, I, want to, I want to help you prepare for a better tomorrow. God wants something for you. He's not just trying to keep stuff from you. Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God wants us to do good works. But over here, we talk about it in this order. We say that, that we believe that if we will get into a healthy uh, position of being with Jesus, and that's what we're talking about today and next week, being with Jesus, we will become like Jesus, and we can't help it. We will end up doing what Jesus did. So it's this order that seems to really impact our lives. But just going back to that first phrase, it talks about the fact that all scripture is inspired by God. And of course, it's very you know, confusing to imagine how could God, like, did God possess the, the writers of the Bible and get them to write you know, what he wanted? And the answer is no, it's, 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 there's quite a bit to this whole process. But, but just like we credit an architect with the building of, of a great structure or a well-known structure, we are crediting the architect of the content of the Bible. So some of you might be familiar with St. Paul's Cathedral in London. It's, it's an incredible, spectacular uh, cathedral with, with just the most incredible amount of detail. Um, but so Christopher Wren was actually credited with, with building or rebuilding St. Paul's Cathedral. And it took about 30 years, give or take, this was in the late 1600s, it took about 30 years to build St. Paul's Cathedral, and, and he's credited with its design, with its building, but he never laid a brick. He never lifted a brick, he never laid a stone. He didn't actually physically build it, but he, but he built it. He's credited with building it. In the same way, God is credited with directing and leading the writers of Scripture, which, by the way, and this is very interesting, that, that for what it's worth, every other kind of religious text or, or book, 
in the world was written by a singular author. This is the only book, if you want to call it that, sacred scripture, that was written by roughly 40 authors over a period of 1,600 years on three continents in over a dozen countries, and yet it has managed to maintain an incredible consistency. It was written by a unique group of poets, prophets, farmers, kings, soldiers, shepherds, princes, priests, historians, fishermen even, tax collectors, scholars, businessmen, and doctors. It was written in caves, on ships, in palaces, in prisons, and deserts. Yet despite all these unique differences, and despite having roughly 40 writers, it has one single author. It is, it is a message from God. And the more we get to understand the scripture together, the more we understand that there's this very, very clear common thread where it's the story of God and his people. And so one of the greatest ways, one of the most important habits that we can actually develop is a relationship with God through regular, I want to emphasize daily, reading of scripture. Just, just to challenge you a little bit and encourage you, if you're someone that regularly attends church, if this is the only time that you hear scripture, there is no way that you're going to be healthy enough and strong enough. It's just not possible. If you were eating once a week, you'd be in trouble. If this is, if this is the only time you hear scripture, I'm, I'm not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that you can't have a relationship with God. I'm just telling you that, you, that it is impossible to be as strong and as healthy as is possible if we have a habit, a commitment to the reading of Scripture. And just so you know, just to be very clear, because I've heard people talk about and I've even approached it with different motives, um, Scripture, the Bible, is not just there for us to live slightly better lives. It's not just to, to kind of modify behaviors. It's not just to be healthier financially or to have better relationships, although those all happen to be byproducts if we grow in our relationship with God. But the ultimate goal of the Bible is to help us know God. I don't want you to miss this. Because the temptation is to read the Bible for information. The temptation is to read the Bible to know more. But knowledge alone can actually be really dangerous. If we, if we are, and that's, by the way, that's the difference between reading the autobiography of someone that you'll never meet and reading the autobiography of God. Where, where you actually have the potential to, to actually come into his presence and to partner with him. Where you're sitting down and you're saying, God, I'm going I'm to open these scriptures. Or nowadays, most of us are opening our scriptures. You know, and that's okay. On our device, if it works for you, that, that's okay. God, I really want to connect with you. Would you help me to see you in scriptures? Would you help me to understand a little bit more about you in scripture? And we'll give you a few more practical ways of how to do that in a few moments. Um, a survey was done first in a very large church, church of, I don't know, I'm guessing 20, 30,000 people, and then it was, and then they kind of translated this doing a survey um, throughout roughly a thousand churches trying to see if the results would be very similar, and they were, where they discovered that for people to move, and, and they kind of had these, these categories, don't worry too much if you don't, fit in, if you don't feel like you fit into one of these categories technically, but they, they had these categories of people at different points in their journey with God. The first would be those that are exploring Christianity, and if that's you, we hope that you're very comfortable in church. Then you have people that maybe cross that line of faith and they begin to grow in their relationship with Christ. Then people draw close to Christ, and then the goal is for them ultimately to be living a life that is Christ-centered. So, 
So he, he's no longer, you're, not, you're no longer just looking to God for a bit of advice. No, no, he becomes your master. He is, he is the center of your life. And they found over and over and over again, again, surveying the, the, the members, the attendees of over a thousand churches, that the single common denominator amongst people that, that grew the most in every one of those seasons was simply a commitment, a habit, to daily reflecting on Scripture. You'll notice I use the word reflecting. Because I don't know about you, I can read, and five minutes later you can put a gun to my head and I might forget what I read. So I'm not just encouraging you to read Scripture. I'm saying we need to reflect on Scripture. We need to, we need to be willing to slow down a bit and chew on some of these things, which is why sometimes less is best. Sometimes, sometimes trying to actually just, just take little bites, but to chew on it, to, to meditate on it. John Ortberg, also quite a well-known author and pastor, says that he has never, I have never known someone leading a spiritually transformed life who had not been deeply saturated in Scripture. I have never known someone leading a spiritually transformed life who had not been deeply saturated in Scripture. I want to read a few things to you quickly that the Bible says about itself. Now, just in case that sounds weird, you need to understand that, that what we now have today came in different uh, stages and phases. First, there were the first five books of the Old Testament, which is known as the law, or, or, or uh, sort of Orthodox Jewish folk call it the Torah. Then the rest of the Old Testament was formed, then the New Testament, etc. So, so, so sometimes, depending on where the passage is written, it, it may be referring to, to earlier parts of Scripture, but either way, it's talking about the Word of God. You can follow on the screen. I'm not going to read the references. These are just some things that Scripture says about itself. The Word is like a lamp, lighting the path and directing us where to go. The Word is like gold, it is priceless. The Bible is a gold mine where one can dig out treasures forever. The word is like water. It is life-giving, refreshing, and cleansing. The word is like milk. It nourishes young believers. The word is like bread. It is the food of life, ever fresh, and meant for daily consumption. The word is like meat. It is strength-giving food for the mature. The word is like a mirror. It reflects what is right and what needs to be adjusted. The word is like a seed. It is a germinating, life-producing uh, agent and has the potential of eternal life within it. The word is like fire. It burns and cleanses all that is contrary to God's holy standard. And the word is like a hammer. It smashes and demolishes evil. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need some of those lies, some of those deceptions to be smashed in my life and in my mind. And the word is like a surgeon's scalpel. With the sharpness of a surgeon's knife, it reveals what is happening beneath the surface, what is healthy, and what needs to be cut away. And the word is like an anchor. It holds the believer safely through every storm. The word is life-giving. It is the, one of the primary ways. Next week, we're going to look at prayer. I'm saying this is one of the primary ways for us to take responsibility to position ourselves to connect with God. In fact, it's interesting that, that throughout Scripture, people were, so people that were going to follow God were charged 
with meditating on Scripture day and night. Psalm 1, just, I mean, that's just talking to, to, to normal uh, believers, how we, how we are to meditate, chew on Scriptures day and night. Israel was, was charged with when they were going to have a king, that the king would actually have to write out the first five books of the Bible and would have to read it and, and process it and think about it day and night. In fact, more recently, Queen Elizabeth II at her coronation was handed a Bible with these words inscribed inside. We present to you this book, the most valuable thing which this world affords. Now that is, that is being presented to someone that has all the money in the world, power, prestige, influence. The Bible is the most valuable thing that this world affords. Matthew 7 verse 24 has uh, Jesus speaking to his followers on the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, and he says that anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. So again, if you engage with what I have said, with what has been written, he is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rains come in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. If you want to have your life built on something that ultimately will not be shaken, I'm telling you that, that engaging with God through his word and in case you're feeling intimidated, I'm not talking about reading chapters and chapters every day. I'm just saying where you will come up with a plan, where you will commit to constantly, regularly digesting parts of his word with the goal of engaging with and interacting with God. So even if you take a look at that passage from Jesus, it's not even a question of whether we should. We have to. It's not an option if you want to grow in a relationship with God, in my opinion. So the only thing that's left is how, and I'd like to get a little bit practical with you, and I, I think a lot of it comes down to the state of our hearts. Some of you would be familiar with the passage of Scripture. In fact, it's recorded in three of the four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's known as the parable of the soils. And I'm not going to read the first part where Jesus tells them the actual parable, and he tells them about a farmer who goes out and sows the seed, etc. I'm just going to jump ahead to where he actually talks about the, the interpretation or the application of this parable. So reading from Mark chapter 4, verse 14, where it says that the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. So, so that doesn't even stand a chance. It's like it's, it's kind of out there, but, but the soil is so hot and it just almost like blows away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I just want to caution you. you. You may have even recently experienced a sense of God reaching out to you, a sense of God's goodness, God's kindness, God's grace. But already, like even in, just in the last week, you've just felt like you've experienced so many challenges and distractions and, and opposition. I want to encourage you to persevere. It's worth pushing through. Don't, don't be discouraged and allow yourself to believe that, that God isn't actually trying to connect with you and grow in a relationship with you. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out. Look at this, both, both positive and negative, by the worries of life 
the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. So, so you've kind of received the seed, but, but either because of uh, opposition or opportunities, either because of, of a blessing or because of a, of a painful challenge, we just kind of allow that seed to get strangled out. Um, and I want, to, I want to emphasize the fact that it can be both positive and negative. We can be distracted by something good or we can be discouraged by something bad. I want to encourage you to, to persevere, to push through. Of the four soils, of the four soils, only one of them, only one of them was actually uh, open, uh, soft, receptive. And that's the fourth soil where it says that the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. And I would imagine that there are many of us that are saying, God, yes, please, I want to, I, I want to do everything that you want me to do. I want to know you like you want to be known, and I want to produce. I want to reproduce. I want to help influence others and help, help uh, expose others to your goodness. Uh, in fact, in Luke chapter 8, verse 15, where, where that last verse is recorded by a different uh, writer, it says, And all the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. But look at this. They cling to it, and they patiently produce a huge harvest. I'm not sure that you can produce a huge harvest without this part, without the patiently part. It takes, it takes patience, guys. I don't want you to be discouraged. It takes patience as we, as we, as we maybe, maybe persevere, as maybe you first start reading a passage and you're like, I don't know what that means. That's okay. You're not alone. Pretty much every Christian throughout history have hit many passages where they're like, I don't know what that means. It sure looks scary or confusing. And there are ways for us to, to get through that and to help you with it. So, so you have four principles very quickly that I want to wrap up with. The first one is that I want to just simply encourage you to allow the soil to be prepared. Just, just allow the soil of your heart to be prepared. You see, what happens sometimes is that we can... We have two different responses, right? The circumstances of life, the same thing can happen to different people. And for some people, they allow the circumstances of life to harden the soil, so to harden their hearts. And someone else looks at those circumstances and they allow it to soften their heart. Where they're like, God, this means I'm hopeless without you. Like, like I need you. I don't, I don't know what to do anymore, so I'm not going to reject you. I need you even more. But then you have other people that get a bit miffed with God, and so they actually allow that to Harden their hearts. And I'm saying, I don't even think you have to do very much to actually soften the soil. It's just about how we respond to the circumstances of life. Like, things are going to happen. I'm just saying. There's, there's going to be heat, and depending on, on, on your humility, it's either going to harden this clay or it's going to soften the putty. You know what I mean? Like, there's some agents where heat's going to make it softer, and then there's some agents where, where heat actually makes it harder. So just allow the soil of your heart to be prepared. Try not to get bitter and and cold towards God. Just allow the soil of your heart to be prepared so that when you sit down with the word, when you have time to connect with God, you're able to do this. Number two, position yourself to receive the seed. The first one, I don't know if there's that much that you can do about it. You just have to guard your heart, watch your attitude. But the second one, this is where we again have, we actually have a choice. We have responsibility to position ourselves to actually receive the seed. And, and that's really just two things. That's a place and a plan. I want to encourage you to have a place where you spend time with God and where you include some time in the Word, a place, 
and to actually have a plan. It's not a great plan to say, okay, I'm going to pick it up and... And Judas went and hung himself. You know, like, like that's not an encouraging verse, you know? And then you turn it again and it says, go and do likewise. Like, like that's not a great way to, to approach the Bible. I'm not, I'm not saying that God by sovereignty can't do something like that, but, but that's not a plan. That's, that's unusual. I'm saying have a plan. And, and again, that really depends on where you are in your journey. Um, don't compare it to somebody else. So, so you'll, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we have our notes on version every week. So even right now, you can be following our notes on the Bible app on your device. And even at the bottom of the notes, there are a couple of suggestions in terms of uh, reading plans that you can begin with. But I think they've got like 40,000 different reading plans on version. Like, like there's something for everyone. You can just start off with a, with a very simple, short, sort of topical type of devotional from something like that. Or, or maybe you're a brand new believer or you're, wanting, or you're trying to discover whether or not you, know, you even believe in God. And by the way, you don't have to believe the Bible to read the Bible. In fact, it's often as we read the Bible that we come to believe the Bible. Again, if our, if our goal is to meet with God, God, if you're real, meet with me, speak to me, help me to, to hear what you're wanting to say. So, so it can be from something really small to then there are others of you that are reading the Bible in a year. Um, and you, and you've, you're experienced enough to know whether or not that's a healthy plan or whether or not for you that it's just becoming a whip for your back. Right now, that's the plan I'm doing and I'm loving it. It's great, but I've got to keep, I've got to keep uh, checking myself in terms of the motive and, and so, so the real why and the what. I want to be careful that I'm not just feeling pressure to get through the reading every day. Again, the goal is to connect with God. Have a place, have a plan. Uh, so place is like try and find a consistent place. And maybe you commute, maybe you use the bus every day or, 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 the, or the train and you do that in such a way that you actually have like 30 minutes of, even though it's chaotic, you can actually zone out and connect with God. Maybe that's your place. For someone else, it's the same chair every day. And maybe you get into the office early and you're able to just sit somewhere and have a quiet time. Or maybe you have a lunchtime, you can go sit in a park somewhere. Maybe it's at night when, all, I don't know, if you're young parents, I can't imagine it's at night because normally when they all go to sleep, you're passing out as well. But, but you're finding a place you have a plan as you try and connect with God. And by the way, just in terms of versions, like a translation of the Bible, I, I strongly recommend, this is just for personal daily reading, I, I strongly recommend the New Living Translation. 95% of the verses that you'll ever hear quoted here is the New Living Translation. I just find it such an easy translation to read. And if you really want to go a little bit further, and this will cost you a bit, but there's no other Bible, no other study Bible that I've recommended more for the better part of 20 years than the Life Application Study Bible, where it's got notes at the bottom. And so when you come to some of those passages that make your hair stand on end, you, you're able to read the notes, and they give you a little bit of help in terms of, no, no, that, that's not quite how, how you know, there, there's some context to, to what looks pretty hectic, just at face value. So I really, and by the way, again, just being very practical, take a lot's probably going to be the cheapest place to get. I, I, I don't mean to diss them, but I looked at the prices on Kuma, I looked at the prices on Take A Lot, I'm just saying they're cheaper. So I want to help you make it as easy as possible. Number three, persist in watering the seed. This is probably the part that, that if you forget everything else I've said today, I really, really need you to get this part. I want you to persist in watering the seed. The idea here is little but often. Little but often. I'm not a gardening expert, but, but I've come to understand that, that a constant drizzle is going to do more 
for your garden, your flowers, your grass, for those of you that still have grass, God bless you, mine's the sand patch, and weeds, it's amazing how weeds grow, hey? grass dies, weeds are resilient. But a drizzle, a calm, constant drizzle, is going to produce a lot more fruit than, than the occasional flood. So a flood's going to fill up a dam or, or a tank, but, but it's actually not, in other words, if you're relying on random experience to random experience, I would argue that you're probably going to feel quite anemic a lot of the time, as opposed to just this constant. In fact, if you were with us near the beginning of the year, we did a, a series on habits, and we spoke about this, this one key idea that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. That's the difference. So, so, so you can have a bunch of people that all believe in the Word of God. They all want to read the Word of God. They all believe that we can connect with God through the Word. But for those that will read through it consistently, you're going to see a different level of health and fruitfulness and growth. I can't encourage you enough. In fact, my challenge to you is to actually commit to a 21-day drizzle challenge. Okay? Where for 21 days, you just allow a drizzle. So for 21 days, I'm saying, like starting today, for the next three weeks, you find a plan if you don't have one. And if you do have one, you actually stick to it. Every day. For 21 days. That's not to give you a break afterwards. I'm hoping that after 21 days you've developed a habit and you actually start hungering and thirsting for more. Commit to the 21-day drizzle challenge and I honestly believe that you're going to feel you're going to feel a difference. You're going to, you're going to start sensing a, a mindfulness about God. You, I'm not saying that you're always going to sense this, but, but every now and then, I think the more our hearts are humble, the more we are seeking to connect with God, you're going, to, you're going to start sensing God connecting with you and talking to you and pointing stuff out and, and encouraging you. Last, number four, is just be patient as fruit is formed. Be patient as fruit is formed. Fruit cannot be forced. It is formed. So as you read the Bible, as you spend time with God, trust Him that He will honor His word. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, God won't be mocked. You will reap what you sow. The worship team can come on up. As you just keep persevering, as you just keep drizzling, just, just, just this, this fine mist daily. And in fact, in fact, by the way, if you really want to be an overachiever, try and do it more than once a day. Like, even go back to it later that day. So maybe you highlight one scripture. And you, and you, and you, you know like those cows, I think? You know, where they like eat something, and then at lunchtime they're like, you know, bring it back up again, chew on it a bit more, swallow it, bring it back up again, chew on it, you know? Like, like that's actually what it means to meditate on scripture. You keep, you actually keep, you keep chewing on it until you're able to digest it completely. Let me go back to our key scripture at the beginning one more time. We read it in the New Living Translation. I want to read it quickly to you in the New International Version. So in the NLT, it said that all Scripture is God-breathed. Sorry, inspired by God. That, that's the literal, or rather the literal translation of that word inspired, is God-breathed as found in the NIV. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. In other words, if you want to be a little bit creative, I've heard Louis Giglio talk about this, where these are not just words on a page it's God's breath on a page it's not just ink on a page it's breath on a page the God of heaven exhaled onto these pages 
so that we could inhale His life. It is life-giving. We want to help you grow in a life-giving relationship with God. And I want you to think for a moment about this idea of breath. And, and, and we know that there are scenarios in the world today where people need extra help with, with oxygen. One of them is if you're going to go scuba diving, say if, you, if you're kind of you know, uh, underneath the water and you, you think about it, sometimes you're kind of you're feeling like you're getting under the circumstances. When, you, when the storms come, when the floods come, you need, you need some extra oxygen, right? Where you, can, where you can take this and you can... You know, when everything's getting hectic, you're feeling really discouraged. You're starting to doubt God. You're starting to hate the people around you even though you know you want to love them. You need to... Guys, I know that sounds funny. I'm being dead serious. The temptation is going to be to stay away. The discipline needs to be to pushing even harder. When when the things of life become overwhelming. Or maybe you think of a firefighter where where they have to go into a building that's on fire. So so it's their own choice, right? They're going in there to fight for somebody else. So maybe you're in the fight and you're needing to actually go and help rescue others. And there's smoke and there's heat. And you need the breath of God to give you perspective. Maybe you're a parent and you're so close to giving up on a child. Or you're married and you're so close to giving up on fighting for them because because the flames and the smoke is starting to really exhaust you. I want to encourage you to breathe in. Breath on a page. Or I think of fighter pilots who have to fly at altitudes where, where there isn't enough oxygen to breathe. And again, if you just stay on the ground, you know what? To be honest, we actually need a lot less. But if, you, but if you're going to get into the fight, if you're going to stop being a spectator, if you're going to go and, and actually get into the battle, there are times where you're going to need to function at a level of altitude. And we wonder why we get so tired. It's because we're not breathing in what God has put on a page. Guys, we can know God. We can know God. You want to make a difference? Start with knowing God. You want to discover your purpose? Start with knowing God. You want freedom? Start with knowing God and commit to a 21-day drizzle challenge. Is that okay? Why don't you close your eyes for a moment, please? Father, I thank you so much that you haven't left us in the dark. You haven't left us in the desert. We don't have to kind of figure this out. We don't have to, we don't have to uh, kind of crawl around blind trying to figure out what's next all the time. God, you've given us your word. Thank you so much. Please would you help us to take seriously this incredible opportunity to connect with you through your word daily. God, help us to see the incredible value, the incredible life-giving value of your word. Would you lead us, direct us as we, as we even, as for some of us, we even need to look for a plan. God, would you help us to have a peace about that plan that you want us to commit to. In Jesus' name, please.